Hello there, ladies and gents. This is Carnage CB Gaming back for another episode of the Carnage CB Gaming podcast. Um, I have just recently recorded multiple episodes with uh, Waxen's World and Boil Meets World and on the Long Dudes podcast. So go check out all of those. Um, Waxen's World is on Twitter um, as well as Boil Meets World. He is BMW underscore JSM on Twitter, and so go look up their podcasts, they're on Anchor, they're on Spotify, they're on most apps that have podcasts on them, so go check those out, the Long Dudes podcast is one that Boyle and I have put together, Um, I think it's actually pretty funny, the last one wasn't funny so much as it was just kind of uh, American history, (laughs) in the spirit of 4th of July, Um, so, I mean, but there were some funny parts, I think the first one was definitely a funnier episode overall, but I think it was just... You know, so far, out of the two episodes, I'd go with the first one. But um, I think in the future, I'm really excited to be working with Boyle. I think we do really well together when it comes to some of that stuff. Um, so look forward to future episodes from us. Um, go follow the Long Dudes podcast on whatever app you use for podcasts. Um, and thanks for following me on this one. I do appreciate it. Um, today, we're going to be talking about a movie that was long awaited by me. Uh, I've talked about it on a couple streams and a couple podcasts that I've done before it came out. Um, I was even going to post a video analyzing the trailer, and I never did that because, man, those reaction videos are hard as shit to make, man. And they take forever. Like, you get to 15 minutes on a on a reaction vid, and you're only like a quarter of the way through, and I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to cut all this shit? Like, I don't know. It just... It was a three-minute trailer, or two-minute trailer, and it just felt like it was taking me 15, 20 minutes to get through the thing. So I scratched that idea, Um, but Spider-Man Far From Home was an amazing movie. If you guys haven't seen the trailers or seen the movie yet, um, there are going to be spoilers in this episode, so go ahead and cancel out now if you haven't watched it, um, so I don't ruin it for you. But um, the lead... Uh, villain in this movie is Mysterio, uh, who comes from the comics and has been featured in most most Spider-Man video games to date, uh, minus the most recent one on the PS4, but my childhood was screaming at me this entire movie because um, it was the Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2 video games from the PlayStation 1 that were incredible. Um, if, you haven't played, if you haven't watched or played those, um, just... They take not very long at all. I had one of my friends when we first got the game, when I was eight, nine maybe, uh, when we first got our PS2, uh, the first game we ever got for it was Spider-Man for the PS1, and my cousin came over, and since we didn't have PS1 memory cards, you couldn't save to a PS1 game to a PS2 memory card, so we hadn't gone out and gotten PS1 memory cards yet, and he was like, well, I want to see this game all the way through, so he sat down for probably about 11 hours straight and just played the spider-man ps1 game which um we were out going we went outside and did random stuff my parents were very large sticklers on uh not not playing for very long at all they said uh, i think the first day that we got it this we already had a time limit of like 20 minutes or half an hour or something like that so when you're playing a video game for 20 minutes Nowadays, with the games that they're out are now, you know, are out now. I mean, you could play two or three games of Fortnite in thirty minutes. But when you get 
when you're playing a story mode game where you have to watch the cutscenes, and um, you know the load up time for the PlayStation 2 was so long. You know, everyone remembers the iconic music for you know GameCube and PlayStation and uh, Xbox and all those systems took forever to load up forever. So. Uh, yeah, so just all of that, and that factored into our time limit, so we got kicked off pretty quickly, but my cousin came over, and my parents were like, well, we don't really care what he does, and, you know, he can do whatever he wants, he's not under our roof, so, you know, if they're okay with him playing for 11 hours, then go for it. So he played the entire Spider-Man game all the way through, we kind of briefly came in and out, and were watching his play, so we could see a little bit of it, but we didn't want to spoil the whole game, um, but I've played through the Mysterio section of that game multiple times. Um, and seeing the visual effects of a PS1 game compared to the visual effects that came in this movie, it's an incredible jump. <coughs> so, I was just, I was really pleasantly surprised by this movie. Um, I'm going to do a Spider-Man ranking video of all the live action, well not live, not live action, all the Spider-Man movies that are not TV series created or whatever. Um, so, you know, Sp the original Spider-Man series with uh, Tobey Maguire, um, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, um, and the Spider-Verse will be included in those. So, I'm going to go and rank those. Um, probably, I'll probably do that today, but I'll probably post it on a later date, um, just so you guys can know where I stand on the, on the Spider-Man uh, movies. But, for this one, Far From Home, um, you, they set up the very first half of this movie... Um, not, it just, it's, it seemed kind of, it seemed kind of dull. It honestly was just, it, it kind of went off and you're just like, okay, cool. The high schoolers are going on a trip and Peter doesn't want the responsibilities of Spider-Man. You know, he, he doesn't like all the stuff that he has to do with the talking to people and taking pictures and, you know, getting an anxiety attack from all that stuff. Um, and he's kind of still worried, you know, still having some issues with Tony Stark's death in Avengers Endgame. If you haven't watched that by now i'm not even caring about spoilers because it's been month two months since that came out um so yeah so that movie or yeah every at the end of endgame though basically spider-man's kind of messed up and um he's lost some of his powers because of that ptsd which the main one that they focus on in this movie which you know obviously is a huge just kind of like oh well we're setting this up as if he lost this you know, just because of the Endgame. Now that he lost it, because they're putting Endgame or they're putting Mysterio in this movie. If they didn't put the Spider Sense on there, then he wouldn't. Mysterio stuff wouldn't be activating his Spider Senses, which would in turn make him realize sooner, hey, this guy's, you know, he's he's not a good. He can't be good because he's put pulling illusions over us. So. Um, but yeah, the very, very first part of the movie is, is kind of boring. Um, you're going through Ned and uh, Betty's relationship, <laughs> which is a good comic relief piece throughout the, sh throughout the movie. And it's kind of like a, a little bit of a precursor to what maybe happens in the future. I just highly doubt they go this route because of who they casted for Ned. Uh, Ned is a very large, very fat, <laughs> not just large, just very fat uh, I mean, I guess his race doesn't matter, but he's very large, he's very fat, um, and Ned Leeds is actually supposed to be the Hobgoblin, which is a, a thief that gets the go Green Goblin stuff, basically, um, you know, the suit and the uh, the glider and all that stuff, and so he gets he gets access to all that stuff, 
um, and is one of Peter Parker's and Spider-Man's biggest foes. Um, but he's really just a mercenary. He's not the you know crazy Green Goblin that you all have seen from the Spider-Man One movie. Um, so a little bit different character, but I just don't think with how they've set Ned up as being his best friend and overweight, you know, I don't see that being a thing. But they did have that little tidbit where um, Ned and Betty are dating um, throughout this movie, which is kind of cool, kind of a little throwback to the comics maybe, if that's all they're going to do with it. Um, but yeah, the first part, and then you just get to see more of Aunt May being hot. <laughs> Marissa Tomei is a freaking bombshell. Uh, I don't know. Hey, you guys, you guys put it in the comments or, you know, DM me on Twitter if you listen to this. Tell me who you think is hotter, Aunt May or pre-haircut Captain Marvel, Bay Larson. I think, I think Marissa Tomei wins it for me. I think it's, now it's, <laughs> oh, here we go. I got it. Aunt Bay. <laughs> oh my God. We have Bay Larson and Aunt Bay. Oh man. <laughs> that's fucking corny as hell but whatever okay so i digress we're gonna move on uh yeah so let me know though who you think is hotter aunt bay or bay larson um yeah so you see them you see happy hogan kind of interacting with that may uh which is revealed later that he obviously is attracted to her and is talking to her which is you know it's a it's a good dynamic i think they wanted to keep his character in um and i think he's the best segue to um all of Tony Stark's stuff, even though Tony Stark left a lot of it to Peter. Um, you know, there wasn't really a person or a thing that could keep them in keep them in touch, I guess. That wasn't, you know, it had to be Happy Hogan. So I think it was really good that they kept that in there um, and kept him in there as a big character. I, I love John Favreau. I think he did great with the Iron Man movies. And, you know, he's a great, he's not a great actor. I just think he's a good, he's a good fit because he's just goofy and awkward and he fits that you know role of being that awkward boss but not really a boss because he's still kind of second fiddle <laughs> and pepper's still somewhere in the background and i don't know if they're actually going to keep using her but or using at least gwyneth paltrow but pepper Potts's signature was on the big check that um you see at the charity event at the beginning um so yeah that's pretty cool um so but the first part yeah it just kind of it's drags a little bit um i think though talking after after seeing the movie and seeing the events and you know seeing the shift from mysterio superhero to mysterio villain um the first part actually is kind of interesting just with all the build-up and stuff that they had and um also the end credit scenes where you're seeing the scrolls instead of nick fury and uh maria hill um i think those are two huge parts to the beginning being perceivably boring at the beginning um i just i think with all the stuff that's shown with the scrolls and mysterio you see um you know nick fury's character is a lot funnier when you see it as a scroll and ta uh, specifically talos um and then you you also you know all those little things that mysterio is doing to hide himself and you know he wasn't actually even there you know he he was just kind of projecting himself in different spots because um, he, he obviously can't fly uh, or do anything cool like Mysterio was doing. So all of those stuffs, all that stuff was projections. And so every time he was talking to Peter with the... I mean, the suit's real. He does have a real suit. But every time he's talking to Peter, you know, he was probably projecting himself in a lot of areas. Um, and they actually showed... I watched a Reddit... Or I saw a Reddit post that was talking about a scene... Or no, no, it was Twitter. Uh, I saw on Twitter there was a scene where... 
um, Mysterio, oh yeah, when he's going to talk to Peter about, oh, I just don't think I'm fit for this, and blah, 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 and they're sitting on that ledge, um, Mysterio flies up to Spider-Man. So he flies up, and so he has to be using some kind of, of his illusions and his drones and stuff right there because he's he can't fly. Um, and there's no he's not stepping on a drone or anything like that. And so they kind of cut to Spider-Man, and the camera kind of awkwardly pans across from the back door where um, Mysterio or, you know, Quentin Beck actually probably walks into and uh, and pans all the way until it's on Peter's side, and then Mysterio sits down right there. And I just think that's funny. I think uh, he went from flying to sitting down, and I don't think Peter was actually looking at him because you can see that he's looking down at himself. He's kind of like, you know, like, oh, I don't think I'm fit for this. So he's got that down look that, like, I can't look at you. Like, when you're looking at your parents, when you did something wrong, you lied to them. And, you know, you're like, oh, God, I just can't even, you know. So you're not even looking at him. So he wasn't really looking at Mysterio. So it kind of helped him actually physically sit next to him without using any illusions or any projections or stuff. Because, you know, he can just do it. I just think a lot of those scenes were really well put together because they kind of, allude to it without you really knowing that they're alluding to it um and it, that's why i really want to go see it a second time but i don't really want to keep wasting money on theater tickets because i'm broke as hell um but I, I just think they did a really good job with how they framed everything um and they brought back some some characters like the scientist from iron man um as one of his allies in the movie uh that was really cool you know just just those little tidbits that you don't you didn't think would they'd put them together um, and how, that's how, you know, that's just how they brought Mysterio into this. And I, I'm, I don't really care about the origin story. They, they've got multiple or, origin stories for Mysterio. Um, but I think this is a really good one. Like you see that, that stuff that in the beginning, uh, I think it's, I want to say it's Iron Man three. Um, I could be wrong, but when he's showing off that technology and he just downplays it and just says it's trash, even though it's really cool that he can show real life projections and they look you know 100% real um, I wonder if they were actually using that in that movie to play into this in the future but I think at that time I don't think they had I think Amazing Spider-Man was either out or being worked on so I don't even think they had a Spider-Man role that was even thought of at that time I, I know they always wanted to put Spider-Man back in the MCU or not back just put him into the MCU um, because he's easily the top three biggest marvel characters of all time uh most people you can in america can talk about you know captain america uh spider-man and you know maybe you talk about thor or hulk or something like that everyone knows hulk smash um so i mean you have those but i just think spider-man is consistently one of the best around the world um most well known so you know for them to tie that all together and have all these like failed projects under tody stark and they kind of hit on that as well in the first Spider-Man movie with Homecoming. Um, Vulture's crew is just a bunch of guys that got screwed over by the the effects of Avengers, the first Avengers. So um, I like how they keep tying in previous pieces of the MCU to bring Spider-Man into the limelight a little bit, um, you know, and bring him into the MCU and welcome in it, welcome him in, um, without him just being this baseless um, hero. Um, and also without going through the entire origin story, you know, we don't, we don't need to see Ben, Ben, Uncle Ben die like 15 times to get the story that Uncle Ben 
fucking died. You know, we get it. They haven't really mentioned that in this movie or the previous movies with Spider-Man, so I'm interested to see if they actually want to go down that road or if they're just going to leave it as kind of a single mom or single aunt <laughs> scenario. Um, she's obviously looking for new people with uh, Happy, but um, you know they haven't really cleared that up, and they've kind of talked about it, but they're like, you know, the origin story's been done. We're not really worried about it. Um, we, people can just kind of assume that Uncle Ben's gone. Um, and maybe he makes an appearance in a future movie in a flashback or something, but we're not going to talk about Peter's parents right now. It's not the, the focus point, the focal point. I think um, their main focus is all the characters that he's building in the school, um, his friends, his relationships, his best friend, um, you know, and then some of the relationships he's gaining along the way with all the Avengers and all that stuff. Um so I, I think they have enough characters to work with. I think a lot of the people were saying, holy crap, this is a long cast list for Spider-Man Far From Home. How are they going to juggle all these different pieces? I, I think they did a great job, but I, yeah, I definitely don't think they should add in more story and more people, more cast, because um, I just think that would negatively affect what they've been progressing towards so far. So, um, yeah. So anyways... Getting into kind of when the, the tides start turning. Um, the, you know, everything about this movie is about the Edith glasses, um, which, you know, is a good, a good way to keep Iron Man and Tony Stark alive and well in the, sh in the movie. And Peter, upon meeting someone that he thinks is noble and a hero, you know, and really worth his time and effort, you know, you know like this guy saved the planet, supposedly. You know, he saved the planet from all these elementals. Um, so why not give this guy, you know, he, he obviously has all the powers and he knows how to do stuff. And, you know, he seems like he's a Dr. Strange mix where he's, you know, kind of got some mystical powers that aren't really easy to understand. And he's from an alternate universe. So if he's coming here to save us, then that has to be legit. Right. So, you know, I, I think it's also kind of speaking to him being a kid. So I think a lot of people were giving criticism, like, you know, oh, why would you just give some random dude you just met like two days ago glasses that can kill everyone in the universe? First of all, he's probably not even thinking about all the drones that are locked up in there. Like, you, you know, he obviously knows the power and he knows all that stuff and he's smart. You know, he's not a dumb kid. You know, he's definitely got a brilliant mind when it comes to smarts, but I think there's a difference between regular book smarts versus street smarts and i feel like people have that conversation all the time like you can be the smartest in a book and just not know how to talk to people not know basic human interaction not know how to handle yourself in situations um you know you see this all the time you can get the nerdiest kids and they know all this information and they can spit out you know thesis theses <laughs> plural of thesis um to you of you know random subjects you know a kid can know how to cure cancer but can't hold a regular dialogue with someone for more than five minutes um so i i think that kind of plays into it and he's also you know presumably probably a, a sophomore or junior in high school or a senior in high school maybe um so he's fairly young and if you know if, I, if anything i know about high schoolers I deal with them all the time um you know they they know they think they're smart they are smart they have a lot of knowledge they know a lot of things um i would say kids nowadays probably know more than kids knew you know back when i was in school or you know 
any time previous. Um, they have so much information at their fingertips and, you know, they've been using technology for way longer. So they just have more uh, knowledge in those areas, but they just don't have real life experience that sh- that tells you like, hey, you can make great friends with people in high school and you will never talk to them ever again. You know, you can make, you can know people from high school that were the best person ever and they grew up and they're a serial killer or, you know, they're some crazy bad person. I mean, I've known... I can't tell me tell you how many people I went to high school with that are in prison or are dead or whatever because of stupid stupid decisions, stupid mistakes, whatever. And I'm not talking crap about them. I'm just saying Peter Parker is in that age age group that he's so naive and doesn't know what he's doing. Um, so you meet this guy that seems to be everything that a superhero needs to be, and you're like, dude, I don't need to have this kind of power. I don't think I deserve it. Um, you know, I can't even figure out my own spider sense or Peter Tingle. So why should I be taking care of, you know, thousands of drones that could, you know, annihilate anybody, including, you know, I almost killed Brad on the bus. I think that was huge. You know, I think all the events that were happening in that day and that trip and all that stuff, you know, he almost tried to, he almost killed one of his people in his class because, you know, he was getting pissed off about him taking MJ from him. Um, you know, he's, he's dealing with his friend, abandoning him for his girlfriend. He's got monsters that are trying to blow up, you know, the city that he's, all the cities that he's in for this trip. And he can't do anything to stop it because his webbing doesn't go through water and grab it, um, you know, or fire or whatever. Um, and so, like, he's just got all these things he's thinking about. Plus, he just had his mentor, his, you know, best friend and everything die right in front of him. And he had to say goodbye to him, basically, um, on a different planet and a different, you know, another world, you know, just completely separated from everything he's ever even thought was real. He's had to deal with all this, and I'm assuming this happened fairly quickly after all the events of the blip, because they wouldn't have done the the blip recording on the news for the kids or for the high schoolers if it hadn't happened recently. So. You know, we're talking probably a couple weeks have gone by and people have started to be like, holy crap, here we are, we're, we're five years in the future. Or some people lived through it and are here now but have all the people that they knew back. And that's kind of why they brought Brad in there because he's like, he was, what, 12 years old or 13 years old and now he's, you know, huge, mass, you know, this massive dude that, you know, we weren't expecting to be in our class now but here he is. So, you know, like, everyone's trying to, like, grapple onto this situation the best they can. Um, And Peter's doing the same thing. And he's a kid with hormones and, you know, all the stuff that's going on as a high schooler. So, I think, honestly, it was pretty... It's a pretty logical move when it comes to, like, filmmaking and stuff like that. People were, like, getting on the producers about it. It's like, there's no way you should get on the producers. They're thinking about, what would a high schooler do in this scenario when the world's crumbling around them and... You know, then you're given this huge gift that you are not expecting, and it's like, oh, hey, by the way, you can kill anybody at any time. You can order these things to carry out tasks for you or whatever, see whatever you want to do. Um, This is yours. Take it. You know, and you also have millions of dollars in equipment that Stark Industries can provide you, you know, at your fingertips. It's just, it's pretty crazy. Um, to think about that, especially, you know, if I got all that, I think I would go pretty crazy immediately. 
Um, but just imagine myself being a way more immature self, you know, version of myself getting that and be like, uh, uh, you take it. I don't want it. You know, that's, I think it's a good, I think it's a good reaction. So anybody that has negative comments towards that, let me know what you think, but I am very strongly on Peter's side and the director's side saying a high schooler would totally do that. Um, you know, and I th- but I think also Tony Stark did have faith and I'm like, you'll make the right decision and you'll do the right thing. And even if it costs you doing the wrong decision and doing, you know, doing a bad thing at the beginning, you know, I think that's what happened. So, um, but I love, I loved the bar scene because I was just like, why is he in a, going into a bar, getting a drink? You know, like, why does it have to be in this place? You know, why did Quentin Beck put him here to, you know, and then he starts giving the glasses up and I'm like, oh, this is a setup. This is a setup. And they tore everything down and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was just like, God damn. You just, they, yeah, it was brilliant the way they did it. Um, and then just the illusions were crazy. I, you know, I, I wasn't bothered by the MJ reveal. You know, MJ always learns about who Peter is and, you know, it's it's unavo- it's unavoidable because you know he's trying to be with her at all times and when you're with someone 24 7 you're they're gonna figure it out like there's no way that you can be a superhero and just be dipping out and going and doing random superhero stuff and then coming back and they're like oh where'd you go and you're just like having to make up a new excuse every time there's no way there's no way you can't hide it for that long so that wasn't a huge deal but what I did like is as soon as they roped her in, she was in the thick of it and just started doing Mary Jane shit where she's like, all right, well, I guess I got to be a badass now because I got to <laughs> I gotta protect myself, especially since Peter outed her to Mysterio accidentally, like without, he did it without meaning to, but it's like, you know that he's got those illusion powers, you saw it. So why are you just telling whoever random, you know, why did you wait until after you got your ass beat to start asking people specific things that they know about you, (laughs) you know? He went over to Happy and he's like, hey, what do we know that no one else would know about me? And he starts telling them, and I don't remember the joke, but it's just like, why didn't you do that earlier when, you know, I think it was Nick Fury came up to him, and was just like, oh, I need to know who this is. That's a very specific question for someone to ask you after you just learned that this guy's doing illusions all around you and he probably saw you through his item that he lost you know like (laughs) there's i just feel like a little bit of common sense would be would go a long way so um but yeah so i i think the the best part of this entire movie though um i could watch this scene a million times and never get bored of it um and there's so many little details that they put into it um his first and really main fight scene with mysterio um, in the movie where he's in the warehouse uh, that was just <laughs> it was it was the coolest thing I've ever seen it was just like it wasn't like an acid trip where you know the, they always purposely make things super weird and trippy and all that stuff I think they put very strategic um, things that would trip Peter's psyche into thinking that he's going insane you know like I think the Iron Man coming out of the grave and you know scaring the shit out of him and stuff like that and all the little mysterio collapsing in on him and everything like you don't know which one's which you try to punch one you're gonna break your hand on the wall i you know i think a lot of those were just it was just so cool and i wish i could watch it It was just like looking through a kaleidoscope of mysterio's shit you know he's just like throwing you through the ringer and then when you think you're out that was the best part like all the visuals are really cool 
but the best part of all of it is when you he comes out of it or he thinks he comes out of it and you like as the viewer you're kind of like maybe he's out like maybe he's actually in open space and then you just he goes to talk to someone or he does something and it just right back into the visuals again and you're just like oh fuck and it's like i think they do that two or three times and it's not until really the train that he's a hundred percent out out you know like he hits that car when he falls down and immediately he gets put right back into a um into another visual because nick fury comes over there and starts talking to him again it's just it was so well done i you know they couldn't really have done mysterio in that effect any better than they did i i loved i loved that i loved it loved it so um but yeah the the the, the next thing going into um you know stark industries all you know having all that tech at your fingertips is huge i think um it's kind of leading into probably um in the near future i mean he's still in high school but i think parker industries is going to be a thing um that is very prevalent um so i i think I think with all this tech and stuff, someone's going to have to take over the mantle. I know they're trying to get rid of Gwyneth Paltrow soon. Um, even if they had her do that little cameo, you know, rescue thing in, uh, in Endgame, I think she's probably on her way out. I don't think she wants to be a part of this much longer. She was already kind of trying to get her way out of Iron Man movies and, you know, being a part of that whole thing. Um, just like just like Jane Foster, Natalie Portman, you know, she, she wanted to get out. And it was very obvious because they like had to make him break up with her and you know do all this stuff. It's just, you know, I I get it, but at the same time, I think Gwyneth Paltrow is the only living thing attached to Stark Industries, so that all that makes me think that they're going the route of Spider Man's going to take over and be, you know, it's going to be Parker Industries fairly soon. Um, also, with Happy Hogan, that whole scene where he's talking to the high schoolers and they're like, he's like, I work with Spider Man, not not for spider-man i work with him and they're like oh but you so you work but you have to work for him because he's really cool and he's like no i work with him <laughs> and he's like he's trying to fight it because he's like no i'm not gonna be bossed around by a little kid but it's totally gonna be you know the same cycle again it's gonna be i don't think happy hogan's gonna turn into a bad guy but i think iron man one um they very clearly introduced in the beginning that tony stark was like 16 or 18 years old and just immediately becomes the CEO after Obadiah Stane had been CEO for like six months after his father passed. Uh, you know, he got used to the, hey, I'm the leader, I can do what I want, um, you know, and all that. And then it goes into, no, 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 just kidding. Tony Stark's here. He's way smarter than you. He can do anything he wants. Uh, and you got to back off because it's fam- family heirloom and stuff like that. Um, Peter is basically Tony Stark's son. Um, if you want to go that route, he's obviously not his dad, but I'm just saying he's, he's his dad. <laughs> I'm your daddy. It's like a uh, guardians of the galaxy. Uh, he might've been your father, but I'm your daddy. <laughs> That's basically Tony Stark. Um, shout out Yandi one time. Um, but yeah, so I think that's kind of what they're leading into. They showed him basically doing the Tony Stark. Hey, give me this and make blow this up so I can put this web shooter in here and advance. You know, make this suit a little better here in this spot and you know increase the web wings and you know all this little thing, all the little things that he was doing on the plane. Um, that's exactly what Iron Man, you know, Tony Stark was doing with the Iron Man suit. Like, hey, tweak this little thing. Let's blow this image up so I can pull this out. They're they're clearly making those parallels. 
Um, so I think Parker Industries is probably something that'll be introduced, maybe not in the next movie, but soon. Um, but it's also, oh, I didn't even realize this. It's kind of fitting um, with them revealing Spider-Man's identity at the end as Peter Parker. It, he didn't get to do it himself, you know, like like Iron Man did with, you know, Tony Stark did with Iron Man. But that's that's kind of, that's actually another, that's another parallel. Because, I mean, really, he was messing with, um, oh, what was I going to say? Tony Stark was basically, he was going to like, hey, I'm not going to be Iron Man or whatever. I'm not going to take over. But as soon as he does that, he gets put in the light as Iron Man. Um, and the whole next movie is about him being Iron Man and being in the public light. And what that brings to the table with, you know, Whiplash coming in. Um, Whiplash is a lame bad guy, by the way. But um, I think that'll kind of be similar to what Peter Parker's going to face. I think Whiplash was on a hunt. I think that'll kind of go into maybe the next villain that I've been heard is super rumored recently, which is Craven the Hunter. Um, that would be super appropriate. I think also, though, you're going to kind of introduce other villains that are like hey i know peter he's an asshole for this or you know spider-man did this to me you know he deserves this or you know like we have vultures locked up we have scorpions locked up uh shockers locked up so this could be a huge sinister six move as well um in the future there's just a lot that they're setting up by revealing his identity because now they're like hey i know who this kid is i know he lives in new york and i know he's going to this high school you can do a simple google search to figure all this shit out um so it's you know they could they could put any villain they wanted to in the next movie um i personally think there's going to be some kind of um symbiote venom thing that's going to go on um, i don't think that it's going to be a central bad guy though um because of what happened in this movie with uh flash thompson Flash Thompson is, you know, not really so much a bully in this in these movies anymore. Um, he's the, if you didn't know, he's the little Indian kid, um, which also kind of goes against the typical Flash Thompson. Is usually, you know, the t very super stereotypical bully. You know, the kid that is super buff and super dumb and just punches kids into lockers and whatever, messes with Peter all the time. He messes with Peter, but more on just like an emotional, like, hey, you suck, dude. You know, whatever. But they've done Flash really well in this series so far to the effect of, I love Spider-Man. I love how much he's doing for the community. You know, he's got his own Spider-Man Instagram. All this shit that's, you know, following everything Spider-Man does. Um, so they've done a really good job about that. I think that's starting to lead into a Venom, you know, takeover by Flash. But the reason I'm saying he's not going to be a big bad guy like he was in Spider-Man 3... Um, is because he, he doesn't he doesn't hate Spider-Man, he doesn't hate Justice, um, but the symbiote hates, or loves, loves um, anger and frustration, which I think Flash has a lot of. Um, his parents have been missing, and they haven't really disclosed for how long, but he's not. they're not returning calls. Um, they don't pick him up from the airport when he comes back from the trip. There's a lot of that family uh, turmoil that they might look into in the next movie a little bit, I think. I don't know could be wrong but um with the identity being pulled out as spider-man though or as peter parker he's gonna have a lot more respect for peter parker he's gonna have a lot more respect for spider-man well i don't know about a lot more respect for spider-man but i think he'll have a lot more respect for peter parker um and i think i don't think he would just stop following spider-man because it's peter parker i think it would just i think it's only really gonna affect peter it's gonna make peter's life a little easier um, but I think if the symbiote gravitates towards Flash and attaches to him, 
um, after probably attaching to Spider-Man. Um, he's going to get, you know, he's going to know all the stuff about Spider-Man. He's going to have that, you know, that beginning, the, you know, the actual beginning of Venom, um, you know, by the symbiote suit att attaching to uh, Spider-Man first. Um, but Flash Thompson's arc with the symbiote is Agent Venom, where he learns how to control a little better. Um, Spider-Man convinces him that he should be a good guy and help out. So he actually becomes like a new Avenger, um, part of the new Avengers, like the Kid Avengers squad. Um, so that could be a cool arc, and I think they could work together to maybe take down um, a different big bad or like the Sinister Six or something like that. Um, I think that just has to be... I think that has to be introduced. I, I don't know... I feel like that's what they're leading to. I don't think they would make a point to show Peter um, getting taken by Aunt May off the plane, and then you know they pan over to uh, Flash, and they show that he's not getting picked up by anybody except his butler or whatever, you know. Um, and they also made the point to show Edith saying his texts were you know not getting responded to by his parents. Like that was a very key thing that they commented on. So I just don't think that they just throw that under the rug like, oh, yeah, we're not going to even look at that in the future. I, I just think that's going to be a part. Maybe not the symbiote. Maybe it's something else. But I just think Flash is going to get something in the next movie. Um, but I, the best thing as well in this movie, I know I said the best part was the Mysterio effects, but I literally grabbed my girlfriend so hard <laughs> when, when J.K. Simmons popped up as J. Jonah Jameson. That was crazy. I I mean, that scene alone, I just, I, you know, I liked him showing her through um, showing her through New York and, you know, her hating web swinging, which is hilarious because she's always loved it and everything else. Um, you know, it's always been that romantic, like, oh, we're swinging and, you know, he loves me and blah, blah, blah. This is totally her just like, nope, nope, fuck that. Never doing that again. <laughs> that was awful, which fits her character and fits her personality perfectly. Um, but... Yeah, but that that leading into you know Peter Parker's Spider Man, God, he's a menace, and like, it's just like all that shit. I think that's hilarious. Like, you know that was just really well done, and I, I love that they listen to the fans. Like I, I think some most a lot of the times movies try to cater to what they think you know works artistically, and they don't worry about what the fans say. But there are a lot of intelligent fans out there that have been watching Spider Man stuff, know about Spider Man stuff, you know. And not just Spider-Man, but, like, anything, you know, related to just, I don't know, anything that's not, you know, like comic book stuff, uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, Jesus Christ, I can't think of the show, Game of Thrones, God, Game of Thrones, like, there's so many people with just crazy good, uh, crazy good, ugh, fucking hell, ideas oh my god the word ideas could not go in my head uh crazy good ideas that are just flood the internet reddit is just full of all this stuff and they had so many people petition to get jk simmons on there um i'm just glad they finally actually listened to something that people have said because i think you know people come up with really stupid shit a lot of times but when you have like a large consensus that's like hey we would love to see this if we saw this I'm sure your revenue would go up. I just think sometimes you need to have a board of directors that just just get like one guy that's like a Reddit <laughs> Reddit reader and just be like, hey, people really like this or people really don't like this. Can we switch this or can we, you know, how can we transition into this? I, I think that was a huge pull. I you know I I think Fortnite is the one thing that 
when they listen to like Reddit comments and stuff, they listen too much. Um, you know, everything people are like, all right, vault this, get rid of this. I don't like this. Uh, I love this. It's like, you know, they just make too many haphazard changes all the time and they're always listening to feedback. That's, that's the other extreme where I think, you know, okay, let's chill it out. You need to have some creative creativity and, you know, understand like, Hey, we need this to be the way we want it and not how the, the kids want it or whatever. You know, I, I think a lot of times adults know a lot more about that than, you know, some kids on the internet saying like, Hey, we need to vault this gun cause it's trash and I hate it. <laughs> it's like, okay. You know, the same thing is with Spider-Man. I think, I think that you can listen to some of the stuff that's out there, um, but you need to have your own direction. You know, Sam Raimi was not listening to people when, you know, people said, you know, you shouldn't do Sandman and Venom and Goblin all in the same movie. Those are huge, huge villains. I think that's something you kind of listen to, but at the same time, he had an artistic vision that he wanted to go through, and so he did it. And you know, it's like props to him, even though the movie freaking sucked. It's, you know, that's what he wanted to do. So, um, anyways, getting back to Far From Home, um, I think J.K. Simmons, that was huge. I loved it. Um, the ending, we don't really know if Mysterio died or not, so I'm going to say he's not dead. I think that was an illusion. Um, I think the vital signs or whatever saying that he was gone, I think that was an illusion. Um, I don't know how. I don't want to know if he's... I don't, wanna, I don't want him to be dead, but at the same time, I just think unbiased, I think, that's Mysterio. He is master of illusion. He's going to figure... Like, I don't think he died. <laughs> you know, I, I think... I, I don't know. I just... I don't think he di he would die like that. So, hoping he's still alive. I hope he joins a future Sinister Six, which I know is going to happen in the future, you know, in the next three to four years, um, Sinister Six has to happen. It's just something that they've been trying to build up to forever that no one's been able to get to. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that's huge. But, so, final thing about the movie, I guess, is the scrolls. Um, the scrolls hopped in at the end, and obviously, you know, we don't know where Maria Hill is. She didn't reveal herself, but um, Nick Fury was not Nick Fury the whole movie, which makes sense for all the weird dialogue he had and, you know, his phrases and stuff being super off. Um, he's off doing his own thing, and we don't really know what's going on. Um, I saw some posts about it, but I I don't really know a whole lot about where he was or what he's doing, but I think he's preparing for, you know, what this phase is supposed to be about, which is that, you know, multi-universe platform that they're about to go on you know like i think he's out there ready to take on more than just america's and you know the world's our world's problems he's out i mean he knows captain marvel's a thing he obviously like was one of the first people that found her um he knows about thor and thanos and all that shit it's like the man knows that there's other threats outside of the u.s and outside of the world that need to be dealt with um and it's probably a lot easier than dealing with american politics all the time so um you know, so that's that'll be interesting to see what he's doing and where he's going. Um, you know, I, I doubt he's getting his own movie, but I think he could have some strong interactions with maybe like the Guardians, or um, he obviously has strong interactions with the Scrolls and Captain Marvel. So, um, you know, I, I, they have a lot of avenues they could go with that. I, you know, they obviously already have a plan that's woven. So, I'm excited to see where that will lead. Um, but yeah, so. Let me know what you guys think. Um, I th let me know what you guys think about who the next bad guy should be or who it is. Um, who you know who you think it is. Um, let me know what you think about a Sinister Six movie. Um, let's see what else. Anything Spider-Man related? If you have info that I don't have, 
let me know. Um, but yeah, I think this movie was one of the top movies that they've made in the MCU. I think it's one of the best that they've made for Spider-Man. Um, you know, I I can't say enough about the movie. If I had to give it a rating, because I think I technically... I haven't said it in this episode, but this is supposed to be an impromptu review. <laughs> impromptu review. Um, but I wanted to give this a rating. Um, I would say this movie was a 9.1 in my best estimate i think i think 9.1 is pretty fair i you know i think there's some some glaring issues um i know my younger brother hated the point the fact that spider-man didn't get at least wounded a couple times by drones you know they were always missing um it's a little bit of plot armor but i also think you know i don't want him to die and i don't want you know i think his spider sense was working and he was being very methodical about where he was going and what he was doing um so i do but, I, you know, there's some things like that, and getting hit by the train probably should have hurt a little more than it did. Um, in the beginning of the movie, you know, even though I don't want to judge it off of just the first view, but when you go to the theater, it, you know, it is. It's your first view. You haven't, you don't know what's going on. I do think it was amplified, like, the beginning was amplified by what we, about what we learned. Um, but I still don't think it takes away from the fact that it was just kind of boring. There were, there were some points where you're just like, Okay, so we're going through back through the high school drama, and we're, you know, I don't know. It just, it kind of dragged a little bit, and you're just like, can we get into the action a little bit? You know, it's cool seeing Aunt May, and cool seeing uh, Happy Hogan, and all that shit, but it's just like, we get it. Endgame's done, Tony Stark's dead, let's move on, please. You know, I think they wanted to hit their two-hour time limit, and it's like, can we not focus on the two hours and just get good quality shit going the whole movie? Um, but, you know, I think... It's definitely way better than Homecoming, in my opinion. I don't like... I didn't like uh, Iron Man being the focal point of that movie. Um, it's definitely better than both of the Amazing Spider-Man movies. So, it's a quality movie, and I love it. And Mysterio is a great villain. I have been asking for him for a while. Um, the, actually, the two that I were asking, was asking for, um, or three, I guess, are the big ones that I wanted to see on the big screen, were... Um, Mysterio, the Lizard, and Vulture. So I've seen all the ones that I really want to see. I'd like them to actually do Venom right with Spider-Man. So I'd love to see Agent Venom come into the fold. Um, I've heard rumors that the Spot might be um, a villain in the next movie, which is a guy that can go through other dimensions, which might go into Phase 4 and what they're wanting to do with the dimension shit. Um, but with the Spot brings the Kingpin and Daredevil, and you know, I don't know if they've been able to get those rights to those characters away from Netflix or wherever they're going to end up putting those shows. If they end up putting them on the D Disney Plus service, I'm sure they can grab them. Um, but, you know, I would love, love, love to see, you know, their current Matt Murdock and Kingpin and even like Paige and Punisher and all, you know, like all those guys. I'd love to see them in the MCU. Um, so, I mean, if they do, the, if they end up going with the spot and having that as an arc, that would be really cool to see all those characters if they can. But, yeah. So, let me, let me know what you guys think. Um, go follow me on Twitter, CarnageCBGaming. I've been trying to post a good amount, um, you know, sports, movies, everything alike. So, uh, let me know what you guys think um, about Spider-Man Far From Home and what you think about my rating of 9.1. I think it's pretty fair for what it did. You know, I don't think it's a you know, an amazing movie, but, like, I don't think it's 
a 10. It's not a 10. It's not a. It's not even a 95. I think 91 is pretty fair. If you wanted to go 92, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hurt you. Um, but you know, I think it's just it's a higher tier. It's definitely a higher tier MCU movie. But I just don't think it's the best out there. So hate me all you want, and just know that I'm not biased. <laughs> I love Spider-Man, but you know, movies are either good or bad based on you know whether they're good or bad, not whether if it's Spider-Man or not. So. Um, soon I'm going to be coming out with a ranking podcast of all the Spider-Man movies that have come out on DVD, um, and gone to theaters and all that shit. So, um, look out for that and, uh, look out for me streaming. I'm going to try to hop back and get on, uh, Trover Saves the Universe, um, and get some more cussing and some more shit fuck bitch words to go. So, hope you guys enjoyed this one. I know it was a long one, but, uh... If you guys have any thoughts or comments, hit me up. Until next time, though, take care.